0: Welcome back to the Crazy Counselor Podcast. And listen, I know that I say that I'm excited on every episode, but I'm really excited today because we have none other than the Josh Rogers from the Jigsaw Podcast. And he's going to join in this conversation about the pains, the perils, the productivity, and the pomp and circumstance. Did I get it right that time?
1: And so you you close enough, sis. I is here. And we're going <laughs> to talk about all the things.
0: Uh, all of the things, all <laughs> of the things. If you guys remember the Race Trauma and Therapy uh, podcast and YouTube interview, like Josh was on that. He was in on that conversation, giving so much life, sharing so much wisdom. He even preached a little bit. I think i Didn't I cry a little bit on that episode? I feel like I did. I feel like you might have. Yeah, yeah, it was it was yeah. <laughs> it so was
1: it was a good one though. It was so good and necessary conversation.
0: Very necessary. Very necessary. So, yes, I'm excited about you being here and tonight we're going to just talk about the per, about perception. So, you know that Halloween is coming up. And first of all, Josh, let me let you introduce yourself. Give Like, let us know what's going on with the Jigsaw podcast, because I feel like people need to be in the know. They are missing out on all things, all of the things with a little bit of ratchetness. So tell us, tell the people about the Jigsaw podcast.
1: Sure. Well, I am Josh Rogers, and I am one half of the GXL podcast. I host it with my brother Brian Hare, and it is a podcast that is dedicated to helping Black, specifically millennials, but listen, just Black folks. We all struggling these days. Figure out how to navigate the craziest puzzle piece ever created, and that is the Jigsaw of Life. So we talk about a little bit of everything uh, from a super blackity, blackity, black, 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 black perspective. And um, we drop Thursday mornings everywhere you can find podcasts. So that's us. And we talk about Beach, uh attempted to do it earlier, <laughs> but the perils, the praises, the productivity, and the pumping and circumstance of being a real-life Black person in America. That's what we do.
0: There it is. Love <laughs> it. Absolutely love it. So... If you are on social media, please be sure to check them out. They're Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, all of the places. So, yes. Yeah. So, Josh, this weekend mm-hmm. is Halloween, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sanctified, but go ahead. You're
0: sanctified.
1: We don't do the Halloween in these streets. Now, oh, go ahead.
0: <laughs> right. We got the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost we need, right? Right. <laughs> and so, like, legit, every year, like, I love the fact that they play Ghetto Boys on the radio. Like, mm-hmm. I, like Ghetto Boys, to me, and, like, the song, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me, like, that is my jam. Like, you know how when you hear, like, Silent Night by The Temptations, like, you know it's a... Uh,
1: you know it's Christmas time.
0: You know. You already know what's up. So when they start playing that song, and listen, I know, like, all of the words to the song. And so I was listening to the song one day, and I'm like, yo, like... Bushwick Bill and Scarf, like they they were all talking about like some serious mental health stuff. Like, and I'm sure that you've heard the song. What is Mm -hmm. your?
1: What is my favorite song?
0: What is your take on the song? Oh, I thought
1: you said I about to say that is so hard. I'm glad I'm glad I don't have that pressure. It is definitely a hood version of musical therapy,
0: Mm. so
1: to speak. I think specifically when this song came out, it was very taboo to talk about mental health and do it in a way that was respected because you know how you know where we come from black folk. if you got jesus in the church you don't need no therapist you right. don't need anything right so i think right. that this was their way to really process their environment where they came from you got to think about how they were progressing in the industry so Mm -hmm. probably coming from what may be considered humble beginnings to now evolving into the industry and what is you know here's the topic perception of what success is going to look like versus what it really is and you know all that different type of stuff so i think it i think in totality it is a it is a great think piece Mm-hmm. and i don't know that i would have ever pulled all of that out had you not invited me to this conversation i had time to to think on it a little bit more
0: right and and listen tell the people the truth you went back and listened to the song a little bit didn't you oh yeah absolutely I, <laughs> i'm
1: always here for a good bop so you ain't you ain't have to persuade me too hard <laughs> right, right
0: right right absolutely like you said it, during that time like it just mental health just wasn't talked about And so we got like a good beat. We got some dope rhymes. But at the end of the day and listening to it, like this was all perception. Mm -hmm. This was all, you know, in the mental health space, we talk about hallucinations. You know what I mean? Like they're straight up imagining that somebody is is after them and trying to kill them. And so I'm just thinking like, number one, listening to it again, like you said, and really taking a deeper dive, like, okay, Mm -hmm. they're probably onto something here, number one. Number two, how much do, I started to think, like, how much do our perceptions actually influence the way that we move? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so like, if from your perspective, or (laughs) that's the good play on words, but from your perspective, how does our perception actually play a role in our experiences? I
1: think it, a lot of times, it dictates how we move, when, and sometimes even our why, right? We can even take the ghetto that is the pandemic right now. For some of us, it is not that deep, right? And I don't understand why you people don't think it's that deep. Wear your mask, wash your hands. But but for others like me, when it first happened, it was Armageddon. I didn't leave my house. I, I didn't go anywhere so my perception of what was going on dictated how I interacted with my friends how I showed love while I am a fan of FaceTime I don't think I've ever FaceTime so much I was going to miss something so I felt like my love had to multiply in ways that to be honest I think it was a good thing but I don't know that it was necessary because you know what I'm saying? My family's my family's in Memphis. Most of my, my like immediate family, like blood families, in Memphis anyway. So oh our ways of communicating and seeing each other has always been FaceTime. But that was like this urge, right? Because of how I saw the pandemic. Because of how everything was happening around me, that it was a necessity to, to FaceTime, to call, to text more often, to do all of these things. So even if we take it outside of the realm of what we're going through now, I think how we were raised, how we were molded, and sometimes our circumstances definitely affect how we move. And again, even our why. Like we may have wanted to do it one way, but there could be something that have altered our perspective that says, no, how about you think about it this way? And from that point on, we're literally shifting the trajectory of our lives because we've been moving based on a maybe sometimes a skewed perspective of situations and, you know, and and, and things.
0: Right, right, right. What role do you think that fear plays in how we perceive things and how we move and how that can maybe even cause us to not go after things or to mm-hmm. even back from some of the things that we know that we are called to do or just great opportunities or or what have you. When we experience, when we have a negative experience, and like you said, it sounds like you had some sense of, of fear, like, yeah. oh my God, Armageddon. And so now you're having to move in that way, almost like self-preservation, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so how do you think that fear plays into just how we move when we've had a a negative experience and we have formed certain perceptions about it, you know?
1: Yeah. So I think, I think fear can do one of two things, and it's really how you embrace it. I think one, it can be crippling. So on one end, you know, that's the more familiar place. I'm scared, I'm not going to do it. And and here's the here's the dichotomy of talking about your perception. I think sometimes we fear doing things because we don't know how other people are going to perceive it
0: or mm-hmm. perceive
1: us for doing it. Mm-hmm. So there's that fear of I don't know if people are going to love it. I don't know what they're going to think about me if I make this move. It could be something as simple as a haircut, a hairstyle, you know, nail polish, whatever. I think sometimes our fear of other people's perceptions alters how we perceive a thing and then in turn alters how we respond and act. I think the other side that I've learned as I've matured is that fear is going to be inevitable. It's Mm -hmm. our ability to embrace it. Right. If we if we want to go Bible, right? I can go there. We talk about how God did not give us the spirit of fear. Now, while it is not a spirit that God gave us, He never promised that it would not come. So when wow. it comes, I think our our mandate is to embrace it. Because you ain't gonna necessarily, you know, he comes shy away. Like feel that fear, right? embrace what it is and move anyway. I think there's a level of strength and tenacity that ca- that is within the ability to overcome and to do it with the hand shaking, to do it with your legs moving because you really don't know what the alternative is. And and really think about that, right? If you did not do it, what is the alternative? And right. for many of us, failure isn't an option or not doing it isn't really a real alternative. So, oh, right. it's either I go ahead and embrace this, have your moment. Like be anxious for a while, <laughs> you know, right. the feel that feel, process it healthy, like in healthy ways. Right. But once you finish that, then do it, right. whatever it is, write the book, open the business, you know, DM that person, like whatever it is. Right. Like right. do it because, because the only other option is to be crippled by it and to be stuck. And, and no one wants to live a life of stagnation.
0: Right. Not at all. Not a, see, I knew that you were gonna preach. I feel like you <laughs> need to have a virtual offering bucket.
1: Well, you know, we, my cash app is no, I'm just
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we gonna make sure we add your cash. <laughs> no, but seriously, that that was so good. Like while you were talking about like feeling the fear and not pushing it away, thinking like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this right now. No, acknowledge that thing. mm-hmm especially when we talk about traumatic experiences, like I've I've started to open up more about my own experience. And what I've started to realize was that because I endured that experience, it shaped my perception of everything. So even though I wasn't running around here, like Bushwick Bill, like, you know, like somebody's after me, somebody's trying to, you know, get me like physically. Mm -hmm. Mind it's like, who can I trust? You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Right. So sometimes even when we talk about the context of relationships, whether it be business or platonic or romantic, and we had a very bad experience or a very negative experience, then we can kind of have that that same level of and I'm using this term cautiously, but that same level of paranoia and how we move. Yeah. I can't trust you. Like you're trying to link with me on. I mean, I know I'm, I'm about to start talking real ratchet. Is that okay? That's fine.
1: Do your thing. This your podcast.
0: Do your thing. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> but you know, it's like okay, you're trying to approach me on some real stuff, but because of my the perceptions that I've carried from my past experience, I can't even trust you. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even. I can't even trust how you're trying to move on any level because. I have this fear. I have this perception of myself, I have my perception of other people as a result of my past experience. Mm -hmm. Have you encountered a situation or walked away from a situation or an experience where you formed some belief systems that caused you to even navigate relationships differently
1: moving forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the stories that I tell quite frequently that really hits home in a lot of different subjects is that I grew up old school Pentecostal. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you know what that means, you know, what that means really dogmatic, homophobic, like all kind of phobics. Right. <laughs> and right. so coming into Morehouse, I was in Atlanta and just, you know, by myself for the first time. So experiencing a lot of different cultures outside of my bubble. Now, my parents were not overprotective, but they were, you know, they, they were sanctified parents. So like that was some stuff that I just didn't do and didn't have the leeway to do. All of that being Mm -hmm. said, that shaped, you know, how I viewed the world, what I saw, how I moved ABC one, two, three. So I ended Mm -hmm. up, so anybody who knows, I'm going to kind of make a long story less long, but I don't know if they still I don't know if the babies still do this today. But back then when Facebook was a thing, thing for younger people, when you need a college ID to get on right. Facebook, <laughs> we got on there um, that summer before. And there was like these groups like, you know, Spellman and Morehouse class of 2011, blah, 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 blah. And we were just mm-hmm. connecting, you know, kind of making friends virtually. So when we got there, it'll be, you know. Oh, I know you, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up connecting with this guy. His name was Joshua. We found out that our birthdays was the exact same day and we majored in the exact same things. Like all these coming out of week, we're going to be best friends forever, for life. Mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. we get to campus and we're cool. I'm like, we're kicking it hard, right? All mm-hmm. the time, going to the mall, going out to eat, blah, 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 blah. So I was in my room one day and some of my dorm mates next door was like, hey, you cool with Josh, right? And I was like, yeah. And uh, they was like, well, you know he's gay. And I was like, huh? So like 18 year old me was like, you know taken aback, right just all the way taken aback, and i was like no like how you figured it was like well you know he's always dancing i'm like well that's not a reason to think anyone's gay but then like this there's that internal male peer pressure there right as well right so i'm just like mm, i don't know so now my mind again is playing tricks on me so i'm like you know is he gay like he's been in my room like what's going on no, so the next time we are together it's awkward because he don't know anything is different. But now I have this piece of information based on my past perception of people, right? And their identity and their orientation that has now made me uncomfortable. So I just, I, you know, and I'm a kind of matter of fact guy. So I asked him Ooh. and I'm like, hey, man, are you gay? And his answer was, well, not in the sense of the word. I'm like, well, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and at the time, you know, maybe not to him, but for me, it was progressive in thought. He was like, I don't really identify. I like who I like. I love who I love. And and, and for me, it was a lot in that moment. Right. Fast forward to like junior, senior year, when I am a lot more mature, my thoughts have changed, my perspectives have grown and all these different types of things. And I've let go of some of those phobias and really began to embrace people and understand the spectrum of sexuality and all these different types of things. Uh, um, right. I humbled myself and went to Josh and was like, hey, Let's let's talk. We went to coffee and I just kind of explained the place I was coming from. And thankfully, he had no hard feelings. I was able to apologize but at the same time. B, I felt like I lost what could have been an amazing friend because wow. of my perception. I, I did not. I blocked myself from extending grace and in return from receiving wow. it right because wow. in a space where he could have opened me up earlier in life you know because if when i look back at it he never tried to hit on me he never it was none of it was always respectful it was and and that's and that's the space that i'm in and have been for a while like what you do with your mm-hmm. life you know as our auntie Tabitha brown said you can do that if you want to cuz that's your business that's, that's your, your business, business right and 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 yeah. i wasn't in that space then but i blocked myself For being able to receive the grace of education, the grace of maturity, the grace of learning, all because I had a terrible perspective towards anybody who was different and anybody who grew up differently than me. While I had my own proclivities, while I was the preacher struggling, while I was the preacher out here, now it was the first time me not being my parents. So I'm running through these little spelman girls, right? Like I, I have my own right. demons and issues and here I am wanting to demonize right. you. But it was again it was my perspective. My mind was playing tricks on me and not allowing me to see the humanity in this brother. Right. And I'm mean, gonna tell you we we had an initial connection of like friendship. Mm-hmm. You know I'm saying from the mm-hmm. jump and the fact wow. that I navigate now I end up navigating Morehouse and the AUC fine I have really great college friends that I'm cool with today you know they they, mm-hmm. un- they aunts and uncles to my kids I'm godparents to so they all that different kind of stuff right but some oftentimes I think back and it was like man if that relationship with Josh would have been nurtured in the right way. You know, what would my experience would have been? And maybe we may not have ever been friends. Right. And maybe that was the lesson that I needed to wake me up in certain areas. But to answer that question, yes, I allowed my perspective, my perception about the world to block me from the beauty of what could have been a lifelong friendship.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a powerful story. Mm -hmm. That's a very powerful story. And. It's again a great example of how we can allow, even when in the context of relationships, we can allow our perceptions to keep us from great relationships. I was gonna say, fam, you when you said the preacher struggling, I was like, fam, you out here living like you on listen. Like what was was going on?
1: Greenleaf ain't had nothing on Josh Rogers freshman.
0: Lord. Help
1: help God. We thank God for <laughs> grace and mercy.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's so good. And even as you're talking, I'm thinking about like my relationships as well. You know, I have a women's organization mm-hmm. and I know, th- and one of the thing, one of the strongholds of thought that I want to break is that thought process that women can't have good relationships. Women can't, Support each other, women can encourage each other. And I remember a time some years mm-hmm. ago when I was approached by someone who wanted to mentor me, an older woman who wanted to kind of mentor me. And I said, I thought about it and I said, you know, I could use that. You know, I could use some good mentoring. You know, I'm trying to build my business, I'm trying to do some things. And what ended up what was supposed to be a very positive experience for me was heartbreaking and it was disappointing because at the time and we all come with our own stuff to the mm-hmm. table. You know, we bring our own stuff with us. And so uh, maybe this was her way of interacting with other people. I don't know. But uh, there was some very embarrassing moments where I was called out at certain meetings or talked down to. And I just had to oh. be like, OK. Like, I don't want this mentorship Mm. thing. That's that's how these relationships are. And I can't do this. Like, I don't want anybody to be able to to sow into me that way. And so moving forward, as I've grown and like you said, I've matured, I now see the value in having women who are older than me, women who are more progressive than me, women who are doing the dang Mm -hmm. thing and can speak into me and who can also you know, mentor, who can encourage, who can give wisdom. But there was a while that I shut myself off. I was like, "Mm -mm, I am not doing that. You know what I mean? But I'm so glad, like you said, that I was able to come back to a space of of opening myself up because, and because of those relationships, because of the women who I have in my life right now, who I look up to and in turn, they pull, I feel like they pull me up. You know how you have conversations with people and you feel like they have lifted you to another Mm -hmm. level, just conversation. Like that's how I feel when I talk to them and they, they, they stretch me and, and just like, encourage me to move forward and. Had I kept that same perception, I would have never been able to have these relationships. And my business is thriving because I allowed those relationships in and I had to change my perspective. You yes. Know what
1: I mean? And I mean, Miles Monroe said it, that relationship is the currency of the kingdom. And I think the yeah. biggest block that we have sometimes with our perception is how we handle other people's personhood. And it blocks yeah. us from a range of opportunities, right? I grew up also believing that, you know, because I'm a man. My my role model, my mentor, should be another black man. When in fact, my my most consistent mentor is a black woman, and it's it's kind of by happenstance. She was a supervisor at a former job. She was also like an associate pastor at a pretty prominent church. And our Mm -hmm. the culture that I worked in, you do weekly check ins with your supervisor, and our check ins used to almost turn into like therapy slash vent slash (laughs) just you know development sessions. And she was really able to mold me in a space that i never really had before like i now i had solid other men in my life that could give voice to certain things but she to this day is still and i call her i call her auntie now but she, yeah, but she is definitely in a space of, uh, it's nurturing. I try, I try, I be, I'm very careful about mothering cause I, I'm a mama's boy to the T I got one mama, but it is definitely, I mean, she's right. a mother. So there's definitely that mothering. And then while she's older than me, it's only by like 18, 19 years. So it doesn't really feel maternal where more. So it feels like big sister auntie and she's accomplished. Right. But if I would allow myself, you know, to grow up in, you know, to lead in the misogyny that I was raised in, then I wouldn't Mm -hmm. and and that's not my dad. It's really the environment. Like, you know, that Pentecostal background, I would have blocked the relationship that I have with her. And there have been doors that have been opened. There have been opportunities that I've had because of my connection to her that I know Mm -hmm. I would not have had otherwise. And and to your point, you know, when we begin to just rest. I think dogmatically in a level of perception that is unhealthy, we block ourselves yeah. again from that from that real currency and richness of relationship that helps us thrive because we can't we we weren't made to do this thing alone, right? I'm I'm, I'm not a I'm not a therapist, but I I took psychology one on one and I know one of the things right. we need is you. know and touch the interaction with people and if and if we don't foster that interaction, that relationship well, I think we do ourselves the greatest disservice.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny how how much your past and how much your past experiences can literally stifle you and cause you to move in certain mm-hmm. ways. Getting older, when, you know, and thinking about the song by Ghetto Boys, like they were living that hood life, like they were living that street life. You know what I'm saying? And or at least that's what they portrayed in the rap song. Like they could have not been gangsters for real, for real. But I'm wondering if the fact that they were paranoid about someone being after them was because of the life that they were living, and because they knew the dangers that came with mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? How many times? Do we have certain perceptions or certain fears when we even know that we are engaging in unhealthy patterns? You get what I'm saying? Is that even is that fear even justified or is that like, can we even say that that's like a warning to let us know, like, okay, I probably need to chill. I probably need to switch up and do something Mm -hmm. different.
1: You get well, I get what you're saying, and i can't you know I can't help but think about bible and, and you know of course' you were y- you know true. warning comes before <laughs> destruction, and I think we we make right. that a very scary thing but you can call it intuition you can call it you know people under I, again relationship i think sometimes our biggest mirrors are ourselves but i think one of the other ones are the people who are closest to you and they're able to identify when you're shifting not necessarily for the in for the best and you know when you begin to get these little signals be it from people or circumstances begin to change or you feel yourself shifting i think we all have that moment before we make some decisions like you know, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'ma do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, even even if we talk, even if we talk about it, and if we gonna take it all the way down for my people who you know may want to en- engage in into juices, <laughs> right. you may be at a space where you know what I'ma have one more drink because I know my limit. But because of where you are, maybe the you know you're having a really good time. You go to that, you go to two more over your limit. But you knew what was coming. You felt it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you know, even if we take it, if we take it down to that molecular level, I think we always. Have indicators. I would say that be it through relationship, be it just even if you don't know your triggers, I think everybody knows a boundary that they have. And oftentimes our issue is that we don't always call it a boundary or we don't always acknowledge them. So we we scapegoat and say we don't have any, or I didn't know that, or I didn't know this trigger. Now, there are sometimes you may not know certain things trigger you, but I think you understand people most people understand the things in which that sets them off in any different types of ways. And when those type of things happen, like for me. There could be something that someone says that could make me angry. I didn't necessarily know that that would be a trigger, but I know this feeling that's rising up. So in the moment, I'm like, all right, cool. I know what this is about to turn into. It's time for me to exit. I'm, I mean, I'm like the sponge by me. My, eye, I'm to head out because because I know if, if if I sit here, you know what I'm saying. So I think to your point, there are spaces and times in which we can be engaged in whatever or be triggered by whatever. And if we don't catch it, if we don't recognize it for what it is in the moment, we find ourselves continuing to engage. So I think on one end there is some self responsibility. On the flip side of that, I do. I think life works in such ways that all the time we're not always as cognizant or as sure about what the consequences, good or bad, of some of our actions are. And it's not until when it's over, we're like, whoa, the issue becomes is now that you've experienced it, what happens the next time? Do you continue to engage? At that point, is your mind really playing tricks on you or are you psyching yourself out? To not make it as bad or as whatever as it should be,
0: right, right. You know, as you were speaking, one of the things that came to mind. You brought up a good point about boundaries, and I want to go back to that because one of the things that I tell clients is that sometimes we don't know when triggers are mm-hmm. present or when boundaries have been crossed. Yeah. Been crossed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the thing about boundaries. Like you you really can't say all of the boundaries Facts. that you have until it's crossed and then you're like, okay, wait, that didn't feel mm-hmm. like it. okay, I don't feel safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even when we talk about triggers even, you don't know that you're triggered until it actually right, right. happens. So that's the thing like the the key is to be able to when it happens, like you said, acknowledge it, know what it is. And also develop some healthy coping skills. Now, listen, Josh said fermented juices. And for the, the people out there who don't know what that is, that could be any <laughs> assortment of the you know, if you want to go go get some Hennessy and, and Coke or whatever your, your drink of choice is, that's what he was talking about. We, we're not talking about those kind of coping <laughs> skills. What we're talking about is some kind of healthy way of being able to talk to yeah. a therapist or to talk to a trusted friend or family member who is a safe space for you. One thing about our brains, and this may sound a little technical, but this is also something that I tell my clients, is that, our brains are—I mean—they're literally fascinating, mm-hmm. right? Because we have these built-in mechanisms to protect us, and so what happens is when you experience something that's negative or a perceived threat, your brain automatically goes into mm-hmm. fight or flight. It's an automatic thing. It's like, fam, there's danger mm-hmm. present. We gotta go. Either we about to fight, or we got to right. Run. Right. Either one. Like we got to do one of the two, and so your your brain is gonna automatically do that. So after repeated exposure to certain negative events or negative stimuli, when you encounter those things or a perception of those things in the future, your brain is going to react the exact same way. The adrenaline's pumping, the fight or flight is is, is kicking in, and now you are feeling the anxiety. You're feeling the, you know, if we want to call it the paranoia, you're feeling the, the fear and there are times where you have to realize, like like you said, Josh, you have to realize, am I being triggered because of something that mm-hmm. happened in my past? know, is this crossing of my boundary did i is this boundary established because I had a negative experience, and I had to establish this boundary now to right. keep myself safe, you know, and that's that's a reasonable thing to do, and so I think that when we talk about the triggers and the boundaries, those can all be, again, formed as a result of coming out of an experience and forming certain your own perception of what that experience was, who you are. Because also when we have negative experiences, I found that people develop negative thoughts about themselves, especially if you were victimized mm-hmm. in any way. Right? One of the most Uh, I think debilitating things is helping people or one of the most debilitating things coming out of a traumatic situation is looking at the negative beliefs that a person can form about themselves as um, someone who is victimized in a certain Mm -hmm. way, you know, and helping them to reshape, not not to reshape their experience, but their perception of themselves, you know, what is, can you speak to that? What is, do you have any thoughts about that? Or what has been your experience in that? that Yeah.
1: So there, I mean, there have been spaces in which I've felt like I was treated a certain way in a certain environment. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to do this in this space ever again. And it may, and then for me, one of the things, and I'll be very candid here, one of the things that I started going to therapy for was trying to work through how I tried to control how other people perceived me. So I would do a lot of performative things to be like, you know what? That's not me or that's not what I meant where I can't really control the only thing I control is me and understanding my motives and who I am and what I am supposed to be doing and whether or not you thought it was disgenuine or you thought it was genuine or you thought it was too much or whatever you thought I can't control that and I can't live my life trying to control your perception all I can do is understand my perspective and allow you to fall where you may. And I think a lot of people get caught. I mean, even if we look if we look at the church, right, we we get hurt at one church and it's church hurt all over. Like We we go to the next church oh. and don't make friends with nobody because we got mad. You know what I'm saying? Not understanding <laughs> that that one person or that one group, they were bad people. It doesn't mean that everybody in Christianity is right. Or even at your job, you may have tried to open up and be cool. Now, now you got to navigate these corporate spaces the right way. Because white people going to white people. Right. But <laughs> right. but okay. you could have opened up, right, and tried to do something. And it went really, really bad. And you find yourself in a new opportunity. And you walk in with resting beef right. face and, you know, just not being cordial. And these folk ain't done nothing. They ain't never seen you before today. So and I But I do think right. that, like you said, it's not – we don't know that it's triggered until we get back into another break room. We get back into another cubicle. Right. And I, all of a sudden, we remember that conversation. We overhear the gossip or whatever, whatever, whatever and it causes us to build these walls that keep that keeps us closed off from whatever the opportunity is, not just relationally, you know, what I'm saying whatever from promotion, from what, because we refuse to get outside of this box, but there's so much out there. And going back to the whole fear concept, I, I think that's scary, right? I think once you have established boundaries and you've identified triggers based on past experiences or how you have been perceived, it's even more fearful to get out because it's like the last time I did that, this happened and like you said my brain wow. is telling me not you you're not, you know i mean you can step out there but not for that you know what I'm saying? We're we going to take right, some risks, right. but not that risk, because you know what I'm saying? because cause I know me, like there's a different level of nervousness that I have, like right before I preach versus right before, you know what I'm saying? maybe I'm having a tough conversation with a friend. Like before I preach, that's like that, God, am I qualified? Like am I good? Is, does this make sense? And eventually, in the moment, anointing of Holy Spirit takes over, and I'm great. When you're having that friendship conversation, that tough one, you know, there have been times I've had tough conversations where those conversations didn't go well. They started off great, but they didn't end well. So it's like, all right, is this friendship over here strong enough to handle a tough conversation? And just, you know what I'm saying? So now it's like, do I teeter around the conversation? And do I remain miserable because I don't, I'm, I'm more fearful of losing them than I am being healthy and whole myself? So there's definitely so it's an ability to take that past experience, but also flip it and look at yourself and be like, is it worth me continuing to suffer or to live a half of my life or whatever, right? In an effort to just keep peace or perceived peace. Because that's really what it is.
0: Right, right, right. Being it sounds like you're being bound to the prison of your perception, then. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what are some ways? To kind of wind down here, what are some ways that you are coping? Like you, and yeah. I know you mentioned therapy, or but what are some ways that in in the present space that we're in? I mean, we have mm-hmm. a global pandemic, we have all things blackety black black black, and fighting for social justice and voting, and I mean, it's it's just in everyday life. How are you managing your perception during this time? What are some things that you're employing to help you to be able to keep the right perspective on everything as well as to be able to cope with? Sure. So for me,
1: therapy is still a thing. I do it virtually. So I'm able to Mm -hmm. thankfully my therapist is able to offer that kind of um, resource for me. I also I work out a lot. One, because I refuse to have a dad bod. So that's just, that's just that. (laughs) Death to dad bod. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, uh, it is for me, it's a really healthy coping mechanism. I can go in my little, uh, I turned half my garage to a gym when the pandemic started because LA fitness, no. (laughs) So I get in that space sometimes B and I just, I lift and I find myself doing cardio to literally I am drenched in so much sweat that i felt like i took a i don't i just ran into a pool or something but it is an outlet i turn on some of my most ratchet music and i just let it all out in the weights and i'm able to release you know all you know endorphins are pumping all that different kind of stuff maybe to do that and then from there you know the shower and the meal is just relaxing and sometimes i work out just work out but there are moments where my workout becomes therapy sessions for me another way that wow. i do that is i think we talked about a little bit connecting with i've been able to connect with family and friends on a deeper level because I feel like because socialization Mm -hmm. has been minimized, I think communication for me at least has been maximized. So there have been conversations and depths of conversation that I've been able to have and and part of that is because of therapy, right? I've been, I felt empowered to have some of these conversations, but I've been having conversations and I've been very honest about my feelings in a lot of ways and, you know, I've been like in in some ways where I could have been like, you know, I'm just going to let that slide. I'd be like, you know what? I didn't appreciate that and this is how it made me feel because i don't because right. i don't i guess in the back of my mind i don't have the i'm not running the risk of you know going back to a previous point of like you know well what if we can't do that happy hour because we ain't going to happy hour no way so it's like <laughs> so like i'm not
0: right right well,
1: your oh we, yeah well, you, your we course know course some of them going you know what i'm saying hours. but yeah but like for some of the stuff you know we're not doing anyway so there is no risk of if i say this they're gonna cancel right. their plans it's so like no Let's have this conversation. I think for me, wow. it's built relationship. And because yeah. of the depth of those conversations and virtual interactions, and even some in-person interaction with very close family and socially distant stuff, right? I think that has allowed me to yeah. be more open and transparent in a way. And I think we use that word transparent very loosely, but still open and transparent mm-hmm. in a way that has been healthy for me. And it has allowed me to take the guard down of understanding that Josh can exist as Josh and not have to. Because again, like one of my love languages, very unhealthy, was to perform. Like even as a yeah. child, I was a stellar student. But part of that was because I I I had to make my parents proud. And, you know, understanding wow. that my mom and dad loved me regardless of my grade. They wanted me to have good grades. Right. But for me, it was like this is going to make them love me. Right. And that's not. That's not necessary. And I've taken that perspective to everything. Like, I'm not going to be a butthole, but you're going to receive me as me. And if what I bring isn't enough, then it's okay. So I think the uh, other last part of that is being okay with the results of being me. And that perspective sometimes, even when I get anxious when i'm unsure i reflect back on that okay joshua you have to be okay with whatever the consequences of you are and i think we take consequence as a negative word but it just means results of so whether good or bad right, right. the consequence of me and people are either gonna love it hate it or be indifferent about it and you can't control that so for me that's one of those like mary jane poster board reminders uh for me So not only doing like not only going to therapy and like being a part of the work, but doing it. So, yeah, doing the work, leaning into relationships a little bit deeper and definitely working out are some of my top three because self-care is a thing and I embrace it. So whatever you have to do to take care of your mental, yeah. uh, I just bought a foot massager about a week ago, and I sit and I put that put, I put the peppermint oil in that thing, b and I cut it on, and I was watching some girlfriend <laughs> reruns, and. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, and, and, I, you mean, know, and I was so relaxed
1: and I mean, I was just, I was just in a space. I was zoned as the young folks say, I was, I was my own vibe and you know what I'm saying? Right. So like, <laughs> I, I think those are, I mean, just find, find that thing that works for you. What, what relaxes you? What calms you? Cause like you said, I'm not fair. I'm not finna to judge you for having a glass of wine. Drink, drink your red, you know, or whatever. But when we start to lean on those things as coping mechanisms, we understand that those are a lot of negative results that could come for overindulging in those things. Right. So I think understanding or finding healthy ways to process whatever it is, because it may not be a therapist. Maybe you're still not comfortable, but you should have wise counsel somewhere. That you can talk to somebody that you can lean on specifically in this, you know, and I'll I'll wrap it up with this specifically in this this election season, you know, there have been times where I just have to turn the TV off. I have to like, you know, mute NPR and CNN because I don't want any headlines. Then there are other days when I'm about it, right? right? I'm about it. And we're going we gonna to talk about it. We're going to educate white folk. We're going to stand up. We're going to do our thing. But also understanding that if I'm right. quiet today, it doesn't make me any less passionate about social justice. And I think balancing that, because a lot of times we feel that we feel black guilt, right? I should be out here. I should be doing what Wes Bellamy cool. and Angela Ryan, Simone Sanders is doing, but that's not your fight necessarily. Your fight may be literally just reposting and letting somebody else see information that they didn't know about. And that's spreading a word and pushing the agenda. So not being wrapped up in what everybody else is doing and taking time to step back if you need to in whatever ways and being okay with that.
0: Right, right, right. I agree with all of that. Like, I think that those are amazing examples of self-care. I know that you, when you post about working out and you tag me and like, 25 other people i listen i see the tag but i'm not done eating candy corn but
1: but, but let me so tell you I'm what sis said when she was on my podcast yet. that she was gonna jump into one of the workouts. so i started tagging her <laughs>
0: i'm gonna keep doing it well, but keep tagging <laughs> me because the more is moving on, on my part. so keep, don't stop tagging me because that's just a, a reminder that i need to start Oh, seriously. But I think that those are all amazing examples of ways to take care of yourself. And like you said, not everybody is at that space of seeing a therapist yet, but having that safe space to be able to go and to talk about what you're feeling and processing through it. I've watched all eight seasons of Girlfriend. So now I'm, I'm trying now to. Now, let me.
1: Can, can we pause for the call to talk about how they messed up my mental health? Have they just ended that show haphazardly? I'm like, it's over. We need man, a movie, fam. We,
0: we need closure. <laughs> We need closure. We need to know what happened. Yes. Like, it was a thing. It was very triggering. Seriously, seriously. But yes, like stuff like that. And just I think for me, like watching girlfriends reminded me of like regular life. I literally felt like I was able to escape the craziness of this world and just be like, oh, look at them. They're living like mm-hmm. regular life. You know what I mean? So, that in itself was very relaxing. And so, yeah, I concur with everything that you said. Like, do what you have to do to get your self care. And one of the last things, and I'll close with this also, is that when we talk about perception and we talk about perspective, one of the things that has also helped me is to realize that not all the time is my perception yes, or my good. perspective right. Even when I lived through an experience, I was forming belief systems based on my experience and the way that I saw things and also things that I've experienced mm-hmm. in the past. So all of those things coming together shaped how I was now perceiving what was happening. And so now, especially right now, and everything that's going on, when I'm having a challenge, the first thing I ask myself is, is this, is this true? What is my negative belief system about this? And is this true? And that's where I start to challenge okay, maybe this could be just the way that I perceived Mm -hmm. it, but this could not be that. There will not be that. And I have to be open and give space for for this current thing that I'm experiencing to not be that negative thing that I experienced in the past, right? And with having those conversations a lot of times, if you have to. So Josh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the Crazy Counselor Podcast. I couldn't think of a better person to come on board because for this particular episode, and I'm sure that we'll have you back, but this one, I wanted to add this ratchet song because I love this song. And when I think of ratchet, <laughs> I think of Josh because he is, he can preach. Listen, y'all, I've seen Josh preach, but I've also seen Josh down to the game down to the Christmas gala, down to the party. Yeah. Swag
1: Duality is yeah. a thing.
0: Listen, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, duality is a thing, and he so well righteous and ratchet as Sarday says. And so, Josh, again, can you tell people where they can find you, how we can follow you? Anything coming up that you know? we Sure, need to you, be can aware find you can find me. I'm on you
1: Instagram know. at i am Josh Rogers. You can follow us on the pod that we talked about earlier at um, the Jigsaw Podcast. And uh, I don't have anything coming up. I just wrapped up a couple of conferences where I was dis—I mean, I disrupted some white spaces and. <laughs> yes they asked me to introduce myself and i was like i am a strategist that teaches people of color how to successfully navigate white spaces that were not designed for black people to succeed in and the whole room just shut down so if you ever see me in spaces that will that will wow. always and forever be my intro and I, i'm loving how people are responding but Correct. no yeah you can find me in those spaces you can find me on linkedin at joshua j rogers uh, i'm very active on there because i'm always looking to connect professionally and have some of these type of conversations and um yeah facebook all this good stuff so I'm I'm around and and I'm pretty active. If you're crazy, I will block you and ignore you. But (laughs) (laughs) listen, I'm just letting you know, know, but I I am. As long as you come respectful and nice, I'm cool. We can connect and I'm open to all of that.
0: All of the things. All of the things. Well, this has been fun. Don't forget to like, subscribe to the Crazy Counselor podcast. Also, subscribe to the Jigsaw podcast. Keep up with what we have going on because we're trying to cultivate these spaces to have these conversations and to promote awareness and to also promote healing. And so, Josh, I thank you. We definitely got to have you back again. You know, I'm. I'm Oh, you know we're gonna bring you back. We got to talk about some
1: some mental health and self care. That's one of our things. So you already know.
0: They. I'm there. Say the word. I'm there.